0: This talk is brought to you by iBiology.org, and this audio was taken from a video available on our website. Hello, I'm Toby Walter.
1: And I'm Bob Faris, Jr., and we run a joint laboratory at the Harvard School of Public Health and Harvard Medical School. And in this lecture, we're going to discuss some of the mechanisms and physiology of lipid droplet formation. As we mentioned in our introductory lecture, cells have this remarkable ability to organize the formation of lipid droplets within the cell in a dispersed and regular manner. And this raises a lot of questions, like, how do cells do this? What protein machinery are involved in the uh, formation of lipid droplets? How do proteins target to the surfaces of these organelles? And what are the functions of these organelles in cells and in organisms? To begin with in this lecture, we're going to show an animation made by Janet Wassa that illustrates a picture of how we believe lipid droplets form. Here you can see the endoplasmic reticulum, the site of neutral lipid synthesis, and you see fatty acyl-CoA's and diacylglycerol substrates that are being covalently joined through the actions of DGAT enzymes, DGAT1 and DGAT2, to form triglycerides. These triglycerides uh, phase separate within the plane of the bilayer and accumulate via Oswald ripening and then bud towards the cytosolic surface of the ER to form a droplet. You can see that happening here. And as the lipid droplet grows, the uh, surface angle between the lipid droplet and the ER changes, and eventually the droplet will bud. And the question is, how does this process happen? And it's been our hypothesis and others that proteins must be involved in the formation of these organelles.
0: Now, at least conceptually, you can take apart this complex set of reactions into individual steps. Those don't need to necessarily occur sequentially in time, but they can be separated for us to analyze them one by one. In the first step, as Bob just mentioned, triglyceride synthesis occurs and the initial lens is formed. In the next step, we will discuss how initially the lipid droplet grows and buds specifically into one direction towards the cytosol. In another step, the uh, proteins are recruited specifically to the surface of lipid droplets. And when they're there, they often catalyze reactions that allow the expansion of the lipid droplet in a last step.
1: So, let's start with step one of lipid droplet formation, triglyceride synthesis, and lens formation, where triglycerides gather within the plane of the bilayer. To begin with, in this step, we have to go through the pathway of glycerolipid synthesis that was discovered by Eugene Kennedy and coworkers and reported in 1960. And this is the major lipid synthesis pathway that gives rise to both phospholipids as well as the neutral lipid triglyceride. In this pathway, which also occurs in the endoplasmic reticulum, fatty acids, which you can see on the far left of the slide, are covalently linked in a a reaction requiring ATP by ACSLs, or acyl-CoA synthetases, to form activated fatty acids called fatty acyl-CoAs. These fatty acyl-CoAs, then, are covalently linked to a glycerol backbone in a series of enzymatic steps to give rise to phosphatidic acid or diacylglycerol. And those steps are catalyzed by a series of enzymes, such as GPAT enzymes, glycerol phosphate acyltransferases, transferases, agpad enzymes, acylglycerol phosphate acyltransferases. And the phosphate group is removed from phosphatidic acid to form diacylglycerol by PAP, or phosphatidic acid phosphatase. Now, phosphatidic acid and diacylglycerol can give rise to phospholipids... But in the final step of making triglycerides, diacylglycerol is covalently joined to an acyl-CoA to form triacylglycerol through the actions of the DGAT enzymes. So, as I mentioned, the DGAT activity was described in... around 1960, but it wasn't for another 40 years that we began to understand the molecular processes of making triglycerides. At the end of the 1990s, uh, we and the folks at Calgene identified the enzymes that make triglycerides. And those are now known as DGAT1 and DGAT2. So this is fascinating. We have two enzymes, and these two enzymes have uh, convergent evolution, and they both catalyze the same biochemical step, but they evolve separately and are part of different gene and protein families. So, DGAT1 is part of the MBOAT family. DGAT2 has its own family that constitutes DGATs and MGAT and wax synthesis. Both of these enzymes are found in the endoplasmic reticulum, but as you can see as cartooned here, they have very different topologies. DGAT1 is a, is a polytopic membrane protein with multiple transmembrane domains and is a very hydrophobic protein. DGAT2, on the other hand, has one embedded transmembrane domain. Uh, that's... that uh, anchors it to the endoplasmic reticulum, uh, as diagrammed here. Both enzymes have been the subject of uh, pharmaceutical inhibitor development, and, in fact, there are highly specific and highly effective inhibitors for both the DGAT1 and the DGAT2 enzyme that are useful both for uh, laboratory tools and have been taken into clinical trials.
0: Now, currently, we only have an understanding of the molecular mechanisms of triglyceride synthesis catalyzed by DGAT1. Specifically, recently, uh, we were able to solve the the, uh, structure, the molecular structure of this enzyme, and as you can see here by cryo-electron microscopy, what has become apparent is that DGAT1 generates, is is present as a dimer in the endoplasmic reticular membrane. Uh, and where most of the protein is really within the bilayer of the membrane. It turns out that the enzyme forms like a butterfly-shaped dimer that is very intimately crossing over and linked uh, between the two subunits. When you look into one of the subunits, it is fascinating to see how we now believe the molecular mechanism of the triglyceride synthesis occurs. The enzyme has a channel that reaches from the cytosolic side all the way through the membrane uh, to the luminal side. In addition, there is a lateral cavity or a gate towards the plane of the membrane. Deeply within the enzyme and deeply within the plane of the membrane, there is the putative catalytic site. When we look at that in a structure that also contains substrates and a density that most likely uh, is the acyl-accepted diacylglycerol, what becomes apparent is that the acyl-CoA substrate reaches the active site from the cytosolic site, either directly from the cytoplasm or maybe laterally from the membrane, and positions uh, the uh, carbonyl group that is used for the esterification right next to the acyl-acceptor, the diacylglycerol-like density, right next to the active site. That second substrate reaches through the lateral gate directly to that hydrophobic uh, core in the middle of the enzyme. We now think that in the next step, the triacylglycerol is released, possibly directly into the membrane through that lateral gate, initiating the next step, initial lipid lipid droplet growth and lens formation.
1: So, as we begin to have a molecular understanding of how triglycerides are made and released into the membrane, this brings us to the second step of lipid droplet formation, and that is how do triglycerides phase-separate within the plane of the bilayer and then get converted into an initial budding lipid droplet. Now, this is a tough problem to tackle, and we've had a lot of luck taking systems-type approaches to identify the machinery of lipid droplet formation. What's shown here is a screen that we recently performed in human macrophage cells that were loaded with both cholesterol and triglycerides to form lipid droplets. And then we used RNAi to knock down uh, the genes in the genome and determine which of these genes was required for normal droplet formation. And from a screen like this, we obtained, as you can see, 500 hits for... that are involved in lipid droplet biology. Now, from... Uh, image analysis, we can classify the characteristics of, of how these different gene inhibitions affect lipid droplet biology and then bin them out into different phenotypes, as you can see. So, we have some classes where there are very small and dispersed droplets and other classes where the droplets are quite large and clustered, for example. Some examples of these different classes can be seen in these images where Again, we have a variety of very strong lipid droplet phenotypes caused by individual gene knockdowns. Some of the genes that cause these different phenotypes are shown on the right here. And obviously, today, we can't discuss many of the hits from the screen. Uh, I will say, though, all these hits will be made publicly available on uh, a lipid droplet platform that will be launched very soon. One of the hits that we would like to talk about today is this one called BSCL2, or SAPIN. BSCL2 is the gene that encodes for the sapin protein, and this hit was one of the strongest hits in our screen and, of course, attracted our interest because we and others uh, have identified sapin as a very important protein in lipid droplet formation. So, sapin, what is sapin? Sapin is an ER protein, as shown in the cartoon on your left, uh, which has N and C-termini that are oriented towards this cytosol has two transmembrane domains and an evolutionarily conserved uh, loop that is oriented towards the lumen of the ER. And sapin was identified in 2001 uh, as the causative gene, one of the causative genes, for congenital generalized lipodystrophy, which... uh, an example of that syndrome, where there is a lack of body fat, is shown in the image on your right. Over the years, we and many other labs have worked on the sapin protein because many labs have identified it as being central to lipid droplet formation. And some of those labs are listed uh, uh, on the bottom. Some of the major findings that are important for understanding sapin's potential role in lipid droplet formation are listed on the slide. One is that the deletion of sapin, which was first identified uh, as done in screens in yeast by the Goodman Labs or Rob Yang's lab, show that sapin deletion results in supersized lipid droplets, very giant lipid droplets found in the cells. Joel Goodman's lab also originally showed that sapin homo oligomerizes to form a large macromolecular complex, and a number of labs also showed that sapin localizes to ER lipid droplet junctions in yeast. Now, this uh, slide shows a figure in which we're showing you the cellular phenotype for sapin deletion. On your left, you can see that lipid droplets form in these drosophila cells in an organized manner, as we showed you in some of the previous videos. We load with oleate, they form triglycerides, and lo- droplets form in a dispersed manner. On your right is what happens in sapin-deficient cells. And in this case, what we see is something completely different. There are some preexisting large lipid droplets. But instead of having uh, normal-sized lipid droplets, what we see is a myriad of very small lipid droplets that are found throughout the endoplasmic reticulum that look distinctly different uh, than the normal-sized droplets found in the wild-type situation.
0: Now, how does the protein actually do this? An interesting early observation in our laboratory was that when we actually look how the protein looks like, it forms foci in the endoplasmic reticulum. What you can see in the movie on the left is a drosophila cell, just like the one Bob just showed, where we've genome engineered the cells to express a version of sapin that has a GFP right at the end of the protein at its endogenous locus. And what you can see is that this cell now has these green foci which move rapidly through the endoplasmic reticulum, now shown in red here, almost as if they were going to scan the ER for initial lipid droplet formation. And it turns out that this is a conserved feature for sapin because it's not only uh, forming punctate in drosophila cells, but as you can see on the right here, also in mammalian cell, and the same is true in many other systems where people have looked. Now, what's the molecular nature of these foci? Our current understanding is driven by observations, again, by cryo-electron microscopy, where we have isolated and purified sapin, in this case, from drosophila cells. And what you observe is that uh, sapin has sort of three parts to it. There is two short extensions on the N and the C terminal part that are both predicted and face the cytosolic side. Each subunit also has two transmembrane domains that span the ER membrane. And then there is a large, quite conserved luminal domain, uh, now shown in green in the cartoon. In our cryo-EM structure, what we observe is particularly that the luminal domain folds into a very, very solid alpha-beta fold that resembles lipid binding proteins that arrange into a ring structure that contains 10, 11, or 12 subunits, depending on the species. You can also see that the transmembrane domains are above that, and span the uh, bilayer membrane, but in the structure, those were not resolved, presumably because they were quite flexible. Now, analyzing the structure off of the folded domain in the luminal side, what well, we observed is two particular features. One is that this ring really underlays right under the membrane, resembling what could be called a molecular washer that basically anchors the whole machinery um, you know, very large protein complex at this point, with like 12 subunits, right under the ER. The second feature that seems to be specific for sapin in its class of related molecules is that there is a helix that is present in all sapin molecules that have been described today that is pressed and oriented right onto the membrane. This hydrophobic helix, in isolation, suffices to bind triglyceride leading us to the model that this complex organizes the the initial formation of lipid droplets. Having said that, this model predicts, of course, that one can isolate triglyceride in this complex as it is formed. And we've tried that and never succeeded with it. There's a second puzzle here, and that is that this hydrophobic helix is highly evolutionarily conserved in sequence a feature that you would not necessarily expect if the only role of this was to be hydrophobic and interact with oil.
1: So, based on this, we had a puzzle, and we hypothesized there may be a missing component to this assembly complex. And here is an experiment that ji Chung in our lab carried out, in which she did a immunoprecipitation, or a pull-down experiment, using either the wild-type sapin, which is shown on your left, or a sapin molecule in which she deleted this highly conserved hydrophobic helix, which is shown on the right. And in pulling down all the interactors, she found one hit that was pulled down specifically with the wild-type protein, but not with the mutant protein that deleted this hydrophobic helix. And that is very easy to see in the upper right part of the the figure here. And that the protein that was uh, pulled down by the wild-type is a protein that was named TMEM159. So, what is TMEM159? Well, so we have now named TMEM159 lipid droplet assembly factor. And so, uh, that name speaks to what we think it's its involvement in lipid droplet assembly. So, not much was known about this when we identified it as a sapin interactor. TMEM159, or LDAF1, is an endoplasmic reticulum protein, 161 amino acids. Its topology suggests both the N and C termini are towards the cytoplasm, and the characteristics of the protein suggest that it f- forms a double hairpin, as we've modeled in this cartoon. The gene and protein were originally identified in murine fatty liver that had been induced uh, by PPAR-gamma in a knockout model, uh, where, where there was fatty liver. And one of the things that caught our attention when we did this pull-down is it turned out that the knockdown of TMEM159, or LDAF1, also was highly correlated with sapin in the genome-wide screen that I showed you previously. So, June went on to purify uh, LDAF1, which I'll refer to it now, as shown here, from mammalian cells. And when she pulls down and purifies LDAF1... She also co-purifies sapin, and these two proteins now form a stoichiometric complex. Importantly, as Toby mentioned before, when we purified sapin alone before, we were unable to co-purify triacylglycerol with sapin, but we made the discovery here that when we purify the complex of both proteins together, as you can see in the fourth from the left lane, the complex pulled down in the Camasi gel on the bottom also shows the presence of triacylglycerol. If we add oleic acid to the cells and drive lipid droplet formation, the complex purifies even more triacylglycerol, as you can see. And if we use DGAT inhibitors in that situation, we block the triacylglycerol. So this is all evidence to us that this complex, together, is uh, interacting with triacylglycerol during lipid droplet formation. We went on to study LDAF1 in the context of cells, and one of those experiments is shown here. In this experiment, what has been done is that LDAF1 and SAPIN have been tagged, using CRISPR technology, at their endogenous locus with fluorescent proteins. In addition, we tagged PLIN3, which we have identified as one of the earliest detectors of a forming lipid droplet. And so, shown in this slide are three examples of lipid droplets forming, as detected by plin 3 signal on the bottom set of... in the bottom row of these panels. And in all instances, when we can first detect a lipid droplet formation, it is occurring in the same spot as where we have LDF1 and sapin. So, this gives us uh, more evidence that the sapin-LDF1 complex is the site where lipid droplets are forming in these cells.
0: Now, if this model is correct, there is a couple of simple predictions. One of the strongest predictions is that if the complex determines where lipid droplets form, we should be able to move the complex to a site where it normally is not localized, or where only a few of them are randomly, and now lipid droplets should form, preferably, on those sites. In this experiment, we used a chemical biology trick, in which we've generated an artificial chemically-induced heterodimerizing version of LDF1 that can be bound to a plasma membrane anchor. When we add to cells that express those two constructs a chemical heterodimerizer, what occurs is that those two parts of the proteins uh, form a complex, and that drags the whole endoplasmic reticulum in close proximity to the plasma membrane. Normally, there is only very little uh, endoplasmic reticulum right under the plasma membrane, But when we induce this, what we observe is, by total internal reflection microscopy, is that both LDF is targeted, as you would predict, but also sapin is now brought along because it is in a protein-protein complex with LDF, not directly interacting with the anchor. This now generates a scenario in which right underneath the plasma membrane, we have a lot, a lot of ER that's tethered to it. And what's important and interesting is when we now look at lipid droplet formation, we see that now lots and lots of lipid droplets form underneath the plasma membrane, because now you have this complex there which normally isn't found there. In a wild-type cell that doesn't have... or in a cell that hasn't been exposed to the dimerizer, a control cell, we see only very, very few droplets uh, forming right under the plasma membrane. But, as you can see in the quantitation on the right here, or in the stills taken from a movie on the left, As soon as you bring this complex right underneath the plasma membrane, now lots and lots of lipid droplets form there, because now the machinery is there to catalyze this reaction.
1: So, these are some of the highlights of studies where we have identified at least a couple components of a lipid droplet assembly complex. Sapin, which we and others had identified over the years as being crucial to this complex, and this other protein, LDAF1. And what's shown here is our working model for how this might work. So, as we mentioned, triglycerides are made through the actions of, for example, DGAT enzymes in the endoplasmic reticulum. And they are initially released into the plane of the bilayer. It's our hypothesis, then, at the moment, that the sapin ldaf one complex becomes the site where these triglycerides can nucleate and phase separate to begin to form lipid droplets. And what's really intriguing is this complex brings together, for example, in humans, 66 membrane-spanning domains in a very small area that might create hydrophobic surfaces uh, for this this nucleation uh, catalytic step to occur. So, shown here, then, is triglyceride molecules that have begun to form a lens in the setting of this complex. And as you can see, LDF1 begins to uh, uh, provide curvature to the membrane, which may also facilitate bending of the membrane and uh, droplet formation. The droplet then grows, and what we didn't show you, but we have data... Uh, indicating, is that as the droplet is growing, LDAF1 coats the surface of the droplet. Here, we think LDAF1 provides surface-modulating qualities, such as lowering the surface tension and regulating some of the protein composition of the developing droplet. So, that's the current model, uh, and obviously this model will require further testing. And one other aspect of this model is that, as Toby mentioned before, there are domains of sapin that appear... Uh, very similar to lipid-binding domains. So, it may be that this complex also has some role in directing lipid trafficking, uh, whether that be neutral lipids or phospholipids, during the formation of lipid droplets. That also remains uh, to be further tested. So, in this part of our lectures,
0: we told you about triglyceride synthesis and the initial stages of lipid droplet formation at the endoplasmic reticulum. But what happens next? How do the lipid droplets acquire their specific proteome? How do they grow in size and detach from the ER? And what are their functions in the cell? So, we'll tell you about that in the next part of our lectures. Stay tuned. Visit us at iBiology.org for more free talks from the world's top scientists. This talk was brought to you with support from the National Science
1: Foundation, the National Institute of General Medical Sciences, and the Lasker Foundation.